Welcome to another episode of Unleashing the Future of Work, a guide podcast, and I am with the phenomenal Enrique Rubio. Enrique is an HR tech and future of work expert and keynote speaker and founder, CEO of Hacking HR, a global learning community at the intersection of the future of work, technology, business, and organizations with thousands of members, thousands all over the world. He came to the United States from Venezuela as a Fulbright scholar prior to coming to the U.S. Enrique was the CEO of Management Consultants, a firm specialized in human resources in Venezuela, and he's one of the most prolific and active LinkedIn content creators in the world with a network of over 35,000 just on LinkedIn alone. You know, Enrique, I'm incredibly excited to have you on today's podcast, and you know, today we're going to be talking about one, the future of work are both of our favorite topics, but also how things are changing post-COVID-19 in terms of the HR landscape. And also, you know, some of the cool things that you have coming up with Hacking HR. Enrique, thank you for being on the show, man. Tim, thank you, man. It's good to be with you again. You know, I always, <laughs> I, I always, I'm always very excited to talk with you because I think we're both, are both very enthusiastic about life and, about, yeah. you know, most things, even when things are getting a little dark out there, you know, yeah. we... We try to find the gifts out of, uh, you know, the difficulties, and and you know, I get really inspired by, by mm. you and, and and this conversation. So thank you for inviting me. Of course, man. Of course, man. And Rick, I would love for you to kind of share a little bit more about your background and your experience growing up in Venezuela, and you know how your 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 background, your career path led you to the work that you're doing now with Hacking HR. Yeah, uh, you know, it's um, I started my career as a, as an engineer, so that's uh, that's my background. I am an electronic engineer, mm. and you know, I, I did several things throughout my career as an engineer. I, I worked, I, I founded a nonprofit when I was working as an engineer mm. and, and uh, you know, work in communities. I, you know, briefly participated in politics as well. Um, so, yeah, and then I switched to HR. But the common thread, if you will, uh, in my career has been, uh, you know, serving the community, building mm. and serving a community. And that's why all that I'm doing right now with Hacking HR makes so much sense to me because it's, it's the, you know, the realization of, of the work that I have been doing for so long now in the shape of a, of a large global community that serves thousands of people around the world talking about things that are very relevant to the future of HR, to the future of work, to the future of organizations. So my career has been, you know, in technology, nonprofit, a little bit in politics, HR. So, you know, mm. you may think it's all over the place, but the very common sort of ground among yeah. all these things is the community and the serving people piece of it, if you want. Man, that's powerful. So for you, it's been like the common thread has been community throughout your yeah. entire career. That's been kind of the signal that you've yeah. been you've been chasing after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it is it's been a very you know, uh, interesting journey for me because, well, you know, uh, like, you know, very often we, we, we end up seeing the end product of something, you know, people see today, you know, I mean, hacking HR, this is hacking HR and, you know, look at all these members and look at all these things that we're doing. But the reality is that mm. all of that is a process of hustling, grinding, failing, yeah. Yeah. you know, ups and downs and learning, experimenting, so we're here and, you know, we're still doing all those things. We're still succeeding and failing, learning and relearning, experimenting and creating. So we're doing all yeah. those things. But we have, you know, the place where we are today is the result of all that process 
over mm. the past uh, two years and a half. So it's been very, very exciting. Yeah, and you, uh, you, you all with Hacking HR have launched some incredibly successful virtual events pre-pandemic and during the pandemic, and will continue to do so post-pandemic. You know, and I would love for you to kind of share a little bit more about Hacking HR. What inspired Hacking HR? This is, you know, you've been on this journey for quite some since I've been following you, and kind of like the the structure of Hacking HR because you all have chapters all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, Hacking HR is a global learning community of HR leaders and practitioners, and we bring them together to discuss all things that are important and relevant at the intersection of future of work, technology, organizations, people, innovation, and of course, the impact in, in HR. We are organized in two levels. Level number one is what we call the global level. And at the global level, we have you know our Slack community where we bring, we have about six thousand people connected in the Slack community. I think it's one of the largest uh, HR communities in the world on Slack. Then we also bring them together on in, in online events. You know the conference that we did at the beginning of March, the workshop series, the interview series, and many other things that we're delivering at a global level. So that's level number one. And the level number two, which is equally important, and you know we feed into each other, is the chapter level. And at the chapter level, we are creating, uh, you know, the same expression and, and, and purpose of the hacking term movement, mm -hmm. but at the, at the level of cities, so that people can have, a, a, you know, a, a closer network of interaction with people that are in their own city. Of course, when we started this journey at, this, at the local level, all the events that we were doing were in-person events. Now, of course, we cannot do in-person events, so all the chapters quickly migrated from doing in-person events to doing online events. So now we're delivering a lot of content, a lot of information mm. at the chapter level and at the global level, targeting basically the entire global audience. Mm. That's powerful. And I mean, you all were able to pivot seamlessly too. <laughs> you know, sort of, I would say, you know, there's, we rely on the experience of the global team, uh, you know, particularly my experience, you know, doing these online events that, that I'm doing. And because I had started this journey way before coronavirus, yeah, you know, I think I was ahead of the curve, if you will. Yeah, I, I, you know, hacking HR was ahead of the curve, if you if you will, right? And and and, you know, the, now what one thing that's really interesting here for and, and I want to say, you know, it's is that there's a, there's a reason why we wanted to do this online. Yeah, you know, events, even though I love them, events in person are by nature exclusive. And they are exclusive and they are not because they are they are not for everybody to be able to participate. Mm. What, what I mean by that is sometimes they are expensive to participate, you know, or to register to. They you, you you know, people can't take the time to travel to those events. And even if they have the time, maybe they may not have the money, or if they have the money, they may not have the, the time. So those events are exclusive by nature, no matter how uh, inclusive they try to be, because of the way they are designed. And because of the way they are delivered, they are exclusive. Now, for the online events that we have been putting together, the rationale that we had way before coronavirus was, how can we put something together that get that everybody can get access to, that is free for everybody, that we're mm. bringing the same or even better speakers than the ones that are coming to these larger events, and we do so on an online basis so that people can watch them either live or the recorded sessions that we are delivering later. Mm. And, you know, 
it's been very it's a being a successful model if if if, if you will and now we are at a at a point of course where you know we've done it we've done those kind of events several times and they've been they've been great and uh, so the chapters which we're doing online uh, in-person events quickly switched to online events because we already are carrying you know some sort of experience by doing that mm. so we're not newbies in this and and that's been very helpful to us yeah man it, it's crazy because I, I i feel as if you are definitely ahead of the curve in the work that you were doing and a, a lot of people don't realize the amount of effort and grind it takes to build something as massive as hacking hr and be consistent in the amount of value delivery you all are doing so kudos to you man i think it's it's actually quite an inspiration i want to talk to you about you know the one the community that you all have built is powerful but you know you are really kind of at the cusp because you your community is filled with some a lot of these business leaders and you as well you're always kind of measuring and tracking what's going on in this space what are some of the trends that you're currently now seeing in a post-covid 19 working world i think there's a it's hard to say what's going to stick in the long term based yeah. on what we're saying today because things are changing so so fast you know we mm. uh, you know if you remember exactly two months ago we were thrown into a very challenging reality so we were told yeah restaurants have to close events have to be canceled yeah. you know all you know you you have to say six feet away from each other and everybody has to go to work from home so we were thrown into that reality and for yeah. a lot of companies that was a that was shocking right now you know a couple of months you know fast forward a lot of these companies have caught up with that new reality of work now they are dealing with some other you know challenges but the the, the mm. operating model has been you know adapting and changing pretty quickly now going forward, some of the things that I hope stick, you know, in you know that we're learning today, and I hope they continue to be the same way, you know, going forward is one of them becoming more human, authentic, and genuine. This is a very huh. big thing for me. Let me yeah. let me say what that means. Uh, you know, you also have hundreds of conversations every week with business leaders and 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 you know across the board, right? And you see a lot of business leaders, for example, connecting from home showing their families, you know, their kids running around, the cats jumping on the desk, barking <laughs> in the background. That's humanity, man. You know, it, it is like when you see them coming to the office, they're always wearing a tie or, yeah. you, know, you know, like suits and whatnot. And, you know, they're always very, very formal in, you know, in those uh, relationships that they're building. And now you're seeing, you know, through a little peephole, you're seeing how these guys live their lives every day at home because now you have to connect with them online, and they are showing themselves as they truly are, not as not as they not as they wanted to be sh seen mm -hmm. by everybody else when they would come to an office. So that we are right now seeing a very human aspect of work that we never saw before. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I think is very very positive out of this tragedy that we're going through, and I'm hoping that that sticks going forward. Mm -hmm. The other thing. And I, I, I always like to compare the, the recession, the tragedy, the crisis of 2008 with what's going on right now. And even though they were caused by different sort of situations, if you remember 2008, when a lot of companies shut down, before shutting down or even to continue operating, they had to fire a lot of people. And they did so without any regards of whether those people were suffering in pain you know there was no consideration for love caring or anything fast forward to 2020 many companies are having to make very tough choices right now but they are making those tough choices knowing that 
if they deliver and implement those decisions with love and empathy and care and understanding, it's, li- it's less painful than if they didn't do it that way. Mm. So to, I'm hoping that going forward, one of the trends that continue to stick is that whenever companies are you know, facing very complicated decisions, very complicated situations, and they have to make tough choices to continue operating and ensure the sustainability of such organization, they make those decisions based on love, understanding, caring, empathy, transparency, and good communication. So I'm hoping that that, you know, going forward, that sticks. And of course, now a little bit more of a more tactical stuff, you know, everybody, like not everybody, but a lot of people are working from home right now. Mm. And companies very quickly had to redesign their processes, their infrastructure and the, their technology to make this happen. Mm. So right now we're saying, you know, if you're working from home, maybe you used to have a two, three, four hour commute back and forth to go to the office. That's four hours of your day, man. I mean, nobody wants mm. to be four hours sitting in the train, in the car, in the bus. <laughs> to go to the nobody wants yeah. to do that. And I don't think anybody says like, oh yeah, I'm happy commuting four hours every day. Nobody mm. wants that, right? So if we have already, we have already proven that it is possible to operate, to thrive, to be successful and to do good and to do well as an organization by letting people have flexibility in the way they deliver their work. So I am hoping that going forward, the day after we resolve coronavirus, leaders continue to see this as the new way to operate, letting people and giving people the flexibility to operate in the way they want. Um, you know, one thing that I think is going to be severely affected in, the, you know, going forward is, is real estate, you know, because mm-hmm. if I am a business owner and I have a company of 100 people and I was paying, you know, $200,000 every month in electricity, physical space, you know, water, gas and whatnot, and I can do the same thing and maybe even better than I was doing before, saving all that money from real estate, I'm, I'm just going to make the decision, man, you know what, I'm going to downsize this, you know, our office from what it is today to maybe 10, mm-hmm. 50%. And I'm going to let people come in whenever they want to come in, but I'm going to be saving $170,000, $180,000 every month. Mm-hmm. That's good money, man, to be saving every month. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm that's great so, money for business. It is great money for business, especially yeah. for smaller ones. So going forward, I think that we have already proven that this new model of operation works. We, we have to make sure that we continue to you know, revamp it and, and, and redesign it as, as we go through different phases of, of reality. But I am hoping that we don't go back to the same things that we had before. So, so those are some of the things that I hope mm. stick, you know, going forward. Yeah, man. So this, this, I think you're, you're talking to really the opportunity now that business realize that we can save on so many operational expenses mm-hmm. if we empower our people to be authentic in their homes and you know we don't have them suffering through you know traveling in traffic every single day three to four hours right and that you know this is hopefully something that you believe should be able to stick you know yeah. long term in the workplace yeah absolutely and you know I, i'm gonna say another of these hippie things that you and i talk about so often but it's not the hippie it's like real right yeah um, and it's this idea of trust Mm. You know, if you just think about, I mean, we've, we've all gone through this crazy situation that we're going through right now in, yeah. a, in, in a two month period. You know, it really started, it started here in America at the beginning of March in China back in December and, you know, Italy, you know, back in January and whatnot. So if you think about it, you know, two, three, four months ago, you would ask a business leader if they would provide uh, leadership opportunities for women 
who also mm. had to take care of families. And they would always, you know, not all of them, but some of them would say like, oh, I don't know. You know, she doesn't have that much time to mm. dedicate to work because now she has a baby, blah, blah, blah. They're going to go on maternity leave and whatnot. That was, you know, some story that you would hear, you know, three or four months ago. Now, those same leaders, whether women or men, but especially when they are parents, mm. they are doing the work. They are homeschooling their children. They mm. are taking care of family. They are taking care of all household stuff. And they continue to be delivering the work that they need to do for the organization. So what's going on here is that there is no excuse to think that mm. people cannot deliver their work even when they have to take care of family and personal matters. Yeah. This to me is the evidence that what was going on before was not the lack of infrastructure, was not the lack of technology, was not even that processes were crappy because some of them were. It was the lack of trust in people in the organization. And I am hoping that going forward, one of those hippie things that is mm. not really hippie, you know, and we have shown that, that I'm hoping that we, 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 we trust our people more because they have already shown and, and proven themselves that they can be uh, trusted and that they can deliver their value and their, their work, even when they have to combine work with all the things that are going on at home. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping, you know, and I think that's going to stick, by the way, in the organizations that are going to be doing well, you know, after this crisis. 120 percent. man. It's so crazy because I feel as if what we're seeing is the fact that, like, to your point, that organizations are currently being tested right now on everything that they've kind of traditionally believed to be not true, that you can't be productive from home in terms of doing remote work, that, you know, women or men who have to go on paternity or maternity leave can't be as impactful can't juggle that as well as doing effective work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think, you know, I would love to get your thoughts on, you know, what type of organization do you think will be built to last post COVID-19? You know, what are some of the ideal things that you think organizations, so not even just people, they should do to make sure some of the things that you've mentioned do stick? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fantastic. What, one thing, I, you know, I, I I won't be getting too much into this concept because I'm I'm still writing about it. It is the it is the 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 not the contradiction, but it is the complementarity, if you will, of the concept of build to last and build to break. Mm. Let me let me tell you a little bit of what that means, and then I'm gonna get into into your question. To me, build to break is like the bamboo tree. Mm. If you think about a bamboo tree tree. They are very, very strong, very strong, mm. but you can bend them. You can bend them. Of course, there's a point that if you bend them too much, they break. But to get to that point, there's going to be a lot of force exerted into the bamboo tree. Mm. They, are, they are built to be flexible, if you will. When I say build to break, what I mean is how do we redesign our business and operation models so that they are built to endure the forces that are trying to break them. And even if they are broken, how we get the pieces together and, you know, re rebuild again, if you will. So that to me is, a, I'm mm. working on that concept, by the way, because I want to put it forward, because I want to make sure that organizations understand that the more rigid they are, and sometimes that comes across as having processes that are built to, last forever 
but I don't think that's the right way to go. I think the right way to go is to build some yeah. level of some framework in the processes that you have in place, but also a lot of room for flexibility for when crisis like this happens mm. or happen. So that's that's one concept that I'm still working on, and I'm gonna you know sort of bring it to to, to respond to your question. I think the organizations that are gonna be surviving what's going on right now are the ones that are capable of embrace the changes that we're going through in a very flexible manner organizations mm -hmm. that are providing the basic groundwork the basic framework if you if you if you will of of organizing and running their processes but in between they are letting or leaving a lot of room for flexibility to uh, to quickly adapt to what's happening during these days so that's that's mm -hmm. that's one thought the other thought is that to me, this is the defining moment of organizations to do the right thing because this is what's going to happen. We will remember mm. the same way we remember today the Enrons of the world. We remember today the Stanfords of the world back in 2008 and back in the 1990s when these companies did the mm. wrong thing. In 10 years from now, probably even before that, in two, three years from now, we're going to remember the companies that were doing the right thing today. Let me give a couple of examples of that. One company is a scooter company, you know, like those things that you see on the streets, scooter company. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, one of those companies, I don't want to mention their name. Yeah, I know. You know, one of those companies fired 400 employees over a two-minute Zoom call. So imagine me bringing you, team to a call and say, hey, team, what's going on? Are you doing well? All right. Hey, team, you know, we can't continue operating in the same way. We have to let you go. Thank you so much for your service. Goodbye. That's a couple of minutes in there. How terrible is that? So people will remember that company. And in two years from now, they will look back to this moment and say, I don't want to work for you anymore. I don't want you to be near me because of what you did back then. Now, see the other end of the equation, Airbnb. Airbnb, I don't know if you saw a couple of days ago, Brian Chesky delivered a letter to the Airbnb employee community telling them that they would have to let go 25% of the workforce because of all that's going on. The letter is one of the most amazing, empathetic, and full of love letters that I have ever seen. He had to make a tough choice, and we got to understand that. You know, it's it's not that he, there's no, there was no way for them to say we're going to keep, keep us all and continue operating because that's not possible. We have to let go part of our workforce. But now these are the things that we're doing to make such a tough decision in with the least amount of pain possible and in the most loving, caring, and understanding way possible. So this is the defining moment for organizations that have to make tough choices to do the to make those choices with kindness and love and understanding, to be transparent, as I mentioned before, to communicate effectively with the people, especially those that are suffering the most, and to somehow you know provide some level of uh, support if you will for the people that they are letting go you know airbnb is a great example and i was so impressed by they were saying you know they, they are giving their people the, the ones that are laying off 20, uh, for 14 weeks of salary they are wow. giving them the entire year of health care they are providing them with uh, outplacement services they are letting them you know uh, uh check out their stock uh, even before the year that they needed to meet to get those stocks back uh, to them. So they are take, ma making a lot of decisions to try to protect them as much as possible, right? So anyway, to me, the point is that organizations have to be number one, flexible and build, maybe not to break, but to be very flexible 
And mm. to do that, they have to understand that they have to allow, allow, allow a lot of room for flexibility. And number two, this is a defining moment to do the right thing with love, caring, and understanding so that in two years from now, they are remembered as companies that did the right thing. You know, it's it's Airbnb and you know Airbnb versus the other you know company. <laughs> I think you know I've, I've seen the same letter by Brian Chesky. I mean, they were even kind enough to let you know their employees keep their computers. Yes, correct. I mean, you may think this is it's really interesting that you mentioned that team because it, it it may seem as something mundane. You know, like oh yeah, yeah. okay, uh-huh. you're letting me go and. They are letting them keep the computer. They they, should, they they didn't have to do that. They didn't need to do that. You know, like they could have told yeah. all these people, you yeah. have to return your Apple computer. And they told them, we know that yeah. you guys are going to be working from home, trying to find another job. We know that many of you do not have computers at home. Take it with you. Because that's if that's yeah. going to help you and that's not going to hurt us as an organization, why not? Mm. They mm. Would, if, if, only, if, if at all for one thing, that's one of the things that we'll be remembered for. Because they are doing, even in the smaller things, they are doing the right thing. And there are many companies, by the way, like that. It's not just Airbnb. There are many others doing the right thing. Uh, and, and this is a defining moment for them. Their, their brand will be remembered for this. Yeah, 120%. I love that. I love that. Enrique, man, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, what's next for Hacking HR? What are some of the things that you all have planned coming up this season? <laughs> Well, we are, I'm already working on the 2021 Global Online Conference. I know that wow. sounds so far away, but 10 <laughs> months is not really far. However, I got to say this, for everybody, everybody, March of this year lasted like two years. You know, it was a two-year two year month. I don't know how. But, but, but April was like a two-day month. Yeah. You know, March lasted forever, and April, you didn't even see it. So, you know, I say that we have 10 months ahead of us that could yeah. feel like, you know, 10 years. Yeah. But the point is that, you know, to me, mm. and this is something that I want to, you know, bring back to your community as well, is that to me, keeping an eye on that long-term vision helps me navigate the difficulties of today. Because mm. I know I'm, 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 I'm bringing my, my positive energy, my optimism, mm. thinking the world will be better by then. And that's why I'm planning this thing. Uh, so I'm already planning the 2021 conference. We are delivering a lot of workshops, interview series, programs, mentoring, coaching, learning programs this year for the community. Many other things. If I if I be if I if I'm honest with you, there are many things that that we don't even want to plan anymore because we don't want to do something and then have to you know backtrack because of no. the changing times. We're ba- basically creating ideas on the spot and saying we're gonna do this. And boom, we're going to deliver it. Like, you know, yeah. I'm doing an interview series right now with a lot of leaders. And that came out of the blue. You know, I interview a couple of people and I'm like, oh, I'm having fun doing this. Let me do more interview series. And yeah. I call it the Hacking Nature interview series. <laughs> In two weeks from now, we may not be doing it anymore. And yeah. we, may, we may have moved to the next thing. But I think that's the flexibility that we need these days to continue to stay relevant, but also to continue to deliver value. Mm. Powerful, man. Enrique, thank you so much for being on the Unleashing the Future of Work, a guy podcast. You know, where can the people continue to follow Hacking HR's work and more importantly, connect with you and follow your work? Absolutely. Well, Hacking HR on LinkedIn, we have a company page where we post a lot of great stuff in there. They can follow me on LinkedIn, Enrique Rubio, and they can go to the website at hackinghr.io. So 
you know, we're very reachable everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And if you're interested in being on another episode or a future episode of the Unleashing the Future of Work, A Guy podcast, definitely check us out on utfow.com. If you're interested in sponsoring or being a guest, check us out on utfow.com. With that said, thank you so much, Enrique, for being my guest on today's podcast episode of Unleashing the Future of Work. Isn't he amazing, y'all? Make sure you connect with Enrique and follow his mission and legacy. It's amazing what he's doing. With that said, y'all, talk to y'all soon. Peace, love, and bye-bye.